0: Hey friends, thanks for tuning in. I'm so glad that you decided to tune in for our study through the book of Ephesians. Martin Luther, the father of the Protestant Reformation, he said that the best way to progress in your faith is by beginning again. By starting over, by simply going back to some of the fundamental elements of faith in Christ. And so through our study of the book of Ephesians, I want to encourage you to do just that. To begin Again, this week we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. We'll be starting the third chapter and in Ephesians 3 verses 1 through 13, the Apostle Paul describes the gospel of Jesus Christ as a revelation of the mystery of God, the great mystery of what God is doing. The mystery that he speaks of dates all the way back to the time of Abraham when God made a promise to Abraham that he would bless the world, that redemption would come to the world through Abraham's descendants. Now, of course, those descendants, as many of you know, are the Jewish people. They are the descendants of Abraham. And this great mystery was supposed to unfold through their family tree. And this great mystery that he speaks of has now been revealed to him by the power of God's spirit. And Paul is commissioned by God to take this gospel, to take this message about Jesus to the Gentiles. The Gentiles, Gentile is basically a word that the Jews yet used to describe someone who was not Jewish. For them, there was basically two races, two ethnicities in the world. There were Jews and there were not Jews. The word Gentile was simply a word that meant not Jewish. Now, it's totally reasonable to think that sometimes when the Jews would use the word Gentile, that they meant it in the literal sense. They were speaking of someone as being not Jewish. But it's also reasonable to think that maybe at times they used the word Gentile in a derogatory sense, uh, meaning uh, an inferior people or people who don't measure up to us, not blessed by God, not part of God's plan for redemption. Now Paul, the apostle, he was despised by many of the Jews because he began to spread this message that God's redemption, God's blessing, God's purpose, God's mercy, through Christ, are now available to everyone. Not just the Jews, but everyone, regardless of their ethnicity, because the mystery has been revealed. Jesus Christ is The revelation of God's reconciliation coming to earth. So I want to pick it up in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 6. Paul makes this statement that would have been so inflammatory to the Jews, but to the rest of us, it's the best news that's ever been told. This is what he said in beginning in verse 6. It says, and this is God's plan. This is the answer to that mystery. Both Gentiles... And Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body, and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I, Paul, have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Now, there are so many powerful truths right here in this section. Two weeks ago, uh, you might remember that we talked about this inheritance that he says Jews and Gentiles share equally and through Christ. And we talked about how this spiritual inheritance is actually significantly better than any type of physical inheritance or monetary inheritance. So if you weren't there for that, you can look that up on the website. That was just a couple of weeks ago. But I want to just take this section, and I just want to look at four truths that we see right here. The first one is this. It's found in verse 6. Paul says, Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. It's another iteration of what he says to the church at Galatia in Galatians chapter 3, verses 28, which says, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ. And his point is, God does not show favoritism. We are all one in Christ. Now for us here in our day, As we're all sort of caught up in the racial and political tension that's happening around our society. And it seems that everyone has an opinion and and most of them uh, seem, some of them forcefully seem to think that their opinion is the definitive solution to what's happening. But Paul says that God freely gives acceptance and blessing to all who receive. One look at this passage tells us a definitive solution. Solution: God does not show favoritism, and for us as followers of Christ, we need to model this. We can't fix all the problems, we can't change everybody's mind, but what we can do, what you can do, is adopt a Christ-centered mindset toward the issues That would otherwise divide people in our society. You can adopt a Christ-centered mindset to issues of politics and race and a host of other things that create division in our society. Anyone who uses the Bible or the name of God or the word Christian to divide people is going to have a really hard time reconciling what they're saying with this passage of scripture. They are grossly misrepresenting what the Bible actually says. So our responsibility is to adopt this same mindset. God has offered up his grace to all who would receive, and we should do the same. That's the first thing. The second one, Paul says, both, in this case Jews and Gentiles, both are part of the same body. Now, what is that body? What he means is the church. Uh, the Bible refers to the Church of Christ as the body of Christ. And I, I heard something the other day that just sort of helped me broaden my knowledge of what the Church is. Uh, I, I knew the, the, this factual piece, but I hadn't thought about it in these terms. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, what we see in the four Gospels is we see the account of Jesus' life and ministry. And then in the book of Acts, which comes chronologically right after the Gospels, what we see is the life and ministry of Jesus continued in the early church, the first generation Christians. Now what we see today in the church is the life and ministry of Jesus continued on in us. We are the life and ministry of Christ continuing on in the world today we are part of the same body all followers of christ regardless of ethnicity regardless of time regardless of place we are part of the same body john piper said this he said the church of jesus christ is the most important institution in the world and Peter gives us a really good description of why. 1 uh, Peter 1, 24 and 25, he said, People are like grass, their beauty like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Everything in our lives is temporary. Uh, the global pandemic will eventually come to an end. I don't know how or when that will happen, but it will eventually happen. Uh, Even the racial tension in our nation right now will eventually come to an end. Even America, our nation, human history says that someday, for some reason, somewhere, it will eventually come to an end. But you know what else history says? It tells us what will still be here. What will still be here is the church. And anyone from any background will still be invited to put their hope in Christ and share in the promise of the blessing. Both are part of the same body. That's number two. Number three, he says, by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege. Just, if you've got your Bible handy, just underline that word privilege. I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Now, I just want to point out something that I find kind of interesting right here. Before Paul was a follower of Christ, uh, Paul was an extremely zealous religious person. In fact, maybe the most uh, sort of perfected, religiously zealous person who ever lived. He knows what it means to adhere perfectly to a religious belief system. Uh, He has knocked it out of the park. Uh, He has adhered to every Jewish law thus far in his life before putting his faith in Christ. And this is what he found out. He found out that religion is dead. He executed perfectly the religious law before him. And what did it do? It sucked the life out of him. It didn't didn't bring him closer to God. It sucked the life out of him. And now, though, as we read this letter, at this stage in his life, as a follower of Christ, he considers sharing the good news a privilege. Religion was a burden to him. It sucked the life out of him. But sharing the good news, being a member of God's household by putting his faith in Christ, he considers this a privilege. And so what I want to say to you is if if you feel like faith is a burden or boring, or even if you just feel generally neutral about your faith in Christ, I'd encourage you to just consider, just think about whether you're maybe spending your life adhering to a religious creed or spending your life simply responding to the amazing grace that God has freely poured out on you. This grace that is for everyone. When we live as, uh, when we live in response to God's grace, it becomes a source of life. And we see that in Paul because his life has gotten significantly more difficult. Uh, In fact, he actually spends much of his adult life after receiving Christ, in prison. And yet he says, I consider it a privilege. Something has changed. So I just encourage you, think about uh, if at times your faith in Christ is reduced to executing a religious creed, or is it responding simply to the grace that God has given you. That's number three. Last thing, uh, number four actually comes from verse 12 at the end of this section. This This is what he says in kind of Summing up or bringing a conclusion to this section, he says, Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Because of Christ and our faith in Him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. You've been included in understanding the great mystery of what God is doing, this mystery of how God is reconciling all things back to himself through Christ. You're also included in the richest inheritance that will ever exist. You're also included in a security that will last forever. And here we see that you've been invited, because of what Christ has done, to come with confidence directly to God. Regardless of background, regardless of religious understanding, you through Christ can come directly to God. You're invited to talk to Him, to hope in Him, to cry out for Him. You're invited to love Him, not out of duty or dogma, but you're invited to love God, to have a relationship with God because he first loved you. And not only that, you've been given an equal share in the family of God. So I just want to close by just asking you this one question. Just operating under the assumption that we can come boldly and confidently before God because of Christ and our faith in Him. If you were certain that that was true, if you were certain that the loving God of all creation was listening, what would you say? What would you say to him? and, and What kind of expectation would you have about his response? Uh, I, I like to think of um, archery as kind of an analogy for this. You know, If you're an archer, you would, you would never just randomly fire up an arrow out into space and walk away. Uh, the way we sometimes do with our prayer, with our conversation with God, what you would do is you would shoot at your target and then you would watch for it to land. You would watch with expectation of hitting the target. Uh, I want to encourage you, if the loving God of all the universe is listening as you speak, watch for those prayers to land. Watch for them to land because you have access through Christ to God. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I hope you have an awesome week. I'm looking forward to just continuing our journey next week through the book of Ephesians.